Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. In this episode, let's break down the best stoner movies of all time, brah. What's up, bros? Welcome back to the show. James and I grew up watching stoner films. They were some of our favorites as kids, even though they were a little bit out of our age range. The older brothers, yeah, you know, they yeah. show you like half-baked when you're a kid and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. Stoner films are so great and embedded in film culture, especially in the comedy genre. And I really love a lot of them so much. I can't wait to talk about them. Yeah, it's a subgenre of comedy. There's not really many stoner movies that are serious comedies or, or serious dramas. Serious dramas I yeah. guess like Outside Providence is kind of like a dramedy that has a lot of you know marijuana usage and recreational smoking inside that film. They it's smoke the reefer. Part of the plot, you know, the changing of times. I would say that's kind of like one of the rare dramas that you could classify as a stoner film. But we love stoner movies, and we even though. We no longer partake in the, the devil's, devil's lettuce. lettuce. <laughs> I do from time to time. Despite I, the not, fact that yeah. the set is smoked out. We, we got the fog machine from when we made our show. <laughs> yeah, we film, didn't do this. <laughs> and we smoked this. We hotboxed this entire room. I can't even see it. I can't even see the camera. The haze. It's just, yeah. I, just, I just see the red lights. That's it. <laughs> yeah. We, we used to be little stoner kids back in our when we High were school, younger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were little stoner kids. But now I just. The GPA slipped for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> now I just partake in it. You know, every once in a couple months, if it's around, I'll just like, you know, just one here and there. But I don't partake not regularly, but, but I consume CBD, which has none of the psychoactive ingredients from THC inside of it, but is part of the cannabis plant. And, you know, there's a decent amount of research that say there are lots of benefits to CBD or CBD oils, you know, sp specifically helping people sleep better, which is why I take CBD gummies, as well as reducing anxiety and depression and, you know, Obviously, there needs to still be a lot of research done, but I think it's a huge market right now for CBD. Clearly, oh, yeah. it's been booming the last couple of years, not to mention the decriminalization and legality of cannabis and marijuana all over the world. It's been changing so rapidly. I mean, in California, where we live in Los Angeles, you can literally just walk down the street. All you need is to be 21 years or older, and you can buy marijuana straight up, just it's, weed. It's funny. In LA, there are actual billboards for weed all over the place. And apps. It, yeah. Like, they'll deli deliver yeah. weed to your door today. Yeah, but you'll just see it used to be it used to just be movie and TV billboards, but now it's like weed billboards. It's pretty funny to see how the times change just in a couple of years. But stoner movies, they aren't just goofy, silly comedies. They have some really great directors behind some of them. You know, Paul Thomas Anderson made Inherent Vice. The Coen brothers made The Bill Gabowski. Richard Linklater made possibly the best teen movie of all time with Deus and Confused. So there are some really heavyweight directors who have made stoner films. Not to mention that they're just so enjoyable whether or not you smoke weed or not. I think even though I don't smoke weed anymore, I still enjoy the hell out of a good stoner movie. Like Pineapple Express, I think, is like the peak of the mountain for stoner films. And that came out a few years like after I quit smoking weed as well as This is the End is a stoner movie that I love. Is But all these movies... I've only watched half the movies on this list since I quit smoking weed, and I still love every single one. Not, and I think, yeah, I can relate to the characters and the moments and yeah, just, yeah. You know, the, the silly uh, situations that these characters get themselves. And usually in every stoner film, there's a ridiculous plot, something wild's going on or, or something goofy. But I still relate to them. I still find them funny. They're great for the most part, just shutting your brain off and watching and having a blast and, and just – 
I just love stoner films. And we, we're classifying stoner films as, you know, not necessarily a, a movie just to watch when you're high or stoned, but where marijuana usage and marijuana has a main plot device on the story in the, in the characters or is smoked consistently throughout the film. Whereas something, you know, some movies don't have a ton of smoking involved that some people could consider stoner films that I don't 100% put in that realm. I feel like you got to be smoking in the movie for a, it. a good amount. Yeah. And also movies, there are misconceptions of movies that actually aren't stoner films that people think are. Like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is not a stoner movie. They do not smoke weed in that movie. They they never are shown smoking, but that's on a bunch they of totally lists. They totally do. Keanu Reeves came out saying that Bill and Ted aren't stoners. They're just very radical dudes with great personalities really? and, and, and very positive outlooks on life. Oh, so interesting. That's a movie that's always cropping up on best stoner movie lists where when you watch them, like, where's this? Where's the weed smoking? They're just silly guys having a good time. That's, like, a, that's a great point. Wild Stallions. Wild Stallions. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of... It's been a while since there was a, a re- recent really good one. The Night Before with Rogan, Mackie, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt was, I think, the last really good one. That's pretty good one, but that's more technically of a, of a holiday movie than anything. Yeah, than but a it, it movie. is a stoner movie. Yeah, though. there's plenty they of- They smoke a ton in there's that. There's plenty of stoning in that movie. But we, like, some of our most rewatched movies as kids were stoner movies. Like, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. I couldn't tell you how many times we watched that with our friends. Friday. Friday, Friday all, after next. Oh, my God. Next Friday. There's, in, there's, these were just so- so many views in our in our household. And Knocked go to up. friends' houses. Knocked up. I've seen a lot. Dude, where's my car? That was a big one. Dude, where's my car? Was huge. We watched that a ton. Days and confused. I didn't. We didn't really start watching until we were like interested in film. Half baked with Dave Chappelle and Jim Brewer. That was a great one that our brothers loved to show us. <laughs> <laughs> that was on, I feel like that was on like TV a lot too. Yeah, Cheech and Chong. Oh yeah. Well, Cheech and Chong. They oh, have... you know it's a good one. Super, Super Troopers. Super Troopers. Yeah, we, that's a movie that was very we watch rewatching. I household. guess you could say it's a star movie for sure because some even, of them do. Some of them. Yeah. Uh, they smoke in the opening scene. Yeah. And marijuana. He can't pull over. He's already pulled over. <laughs> Schnozberries taste like schnozberries. Okay, that's a stoner movie. Meow. <laughs> Listen here. <laughs> that's a stoner movie. Okay, that 100% is. <laughs> I just haven't seen it in a while. It's so, so yeah, good. That's a stoner movie, especially the fact that marijuana is a main plot device for that film where there's the, the big drug busts of the marijuana that's being sold, right? Yeah. In that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also... Sometimes they turn to franchises, like Harold and Kumar turn into a franchise. I prefer stoner movies if they're just standalone, like Pineapple Express. I didn't want any other Pineapple Express movies. I'm sure the studio was asking them to do it because it made a lot of money, but it's the kind of genre where I feel like it's stronger without sequels because even next Friday wasn't, I mean, it's not the same as Friday. No Chris Tucker. Yeah, it's not even close. And so I'm not a fan of franchising the stoner genre. I concur. Although I really respect the hell out of what Cheech and Chong did. So that's true. Cheech yeah. Marin and Tommy Chong with their their saga of movies. They made like six or seven movies of their characters, Cheech and Chong. I have I have a list of them. So yeah, they were a comedy duo. They they met in British Columbia and Vancouver in Canada. And they made Up in Smoke in 1978 was their first movie, stoner movie. You then. know they're in After Hours, Martin Scorsese's yeah, movie. Yeah, they actually got a yeah. bunch of cameos in movies, but they're both in After Hours. You're right. So Up in Smoke, Cheech and Chong's next movie, which is probably the best, those two. Nice Dreams, Things Are Tough All Over, Still Smoking, Cheech and Chong's The Corsican Brothers, Get Out of My Room, and Cheech and Chong's Animated Movie. So these guys, they just made such a a huge franchise of just stoner movies, kickback movies. Also, some of these are have a lot of music infused in them because they're also a, 
a performing musical duo as well as a comedic duo. And I, I respect the hell out of making was that seven movies or eight movies? It's a lot, yeah. Out of your stoner characters, that, that's fantastic stuff right there. Was I'm trying to remember? Was Ali G in the house? Was that a? Would, did, do they smoke in that movie? Absolutely, yeah, Ali okay. G in the house. Is yes, a stoner I thought movie. so. That's yeah, a, that's one of my favorites that's, for sure. We watched a ton as kids. It's well, the TV show was great, but the Ali D, Ali G in the house movie. So yeah. in the house was the movie he made, the first one of the three characters, because then he did Bruno, then he did Borat. But Ali G in the house was hysterical because Ali G is just a stoner from just the like the middle of the UK somewhere and just thinks he's a gangster and it's just so funny and Booyakasha. <laughs> the things that guy we says. We used to the stuff. Martin we Freeman's used... in that movie too. Yeah, yeah the opening uh, that definitely is a stoner comedy. They yeah, do yeah. they do a lot. Yeah, and that movie is so ridiculous. Like with the stuff we watched as kids was re- was insane. I, I like can't, I can't believe this sometimes when I, I look back. Isn't on there it. a scene where he's been he's trying to like get on a plane or cross borders and he's arrested, but then he has like his buddies come in like Martin Freeman like we as he has experts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they smoke all the weed. <laughs> oh my god, that movie is insane! I can't believe I. Well, actually, our parents didn't know we were watching it. It's HBO. Hey, we, hey it's all good, man. They didn't know what was going on down there. <laughs> but then, um, a movie like Easy Rider, which is considered obviously a classic and uh, a new kind of film for American cinema, in terms of it lacking a plot and really expressing the kind of wayward vagabond that was very frowned upon in American culture, and centering an entire movie around it, and. That's definitely a stoner movie, but it's highly respected in the history of movies. And it's a terrific film if you haven't seen it. It really is like the epitome of, of living free and just going to your own, beating to your own drum and just following wherever the road takes you, wherever, wherever the wind takes you. Plus an absolutely stacked cast yeah. of actors in that movie. But the acceptance of marijuana, ironically, in recent years has led to like way fewer movies about weed and smoking culture which is kind of interesting because the last great ones are like pineapple express as well as this is the end this is the end that's 2011 i believe pineapple express was 2008 i'm sure obviously ted I, ted in 2012 ted, okay ted but still very old that's ted 10 years old and ted too for sure but in terms of how much it's accepted now i feel like it's lost a bit of its storytelling like like cojones like yeah Yeah. like the mythos of like weed culture and how much fun it was to tell a story about something that was illegal versus now it's so legal and everyone does it and it's easy to access are the stories as interesting with like drug dealers and stuff like that but i still think that pineapple express was something that i think will always be a timeless great comedy despite the fact that weed's become legal but i wonder if there's some sort of correlation with the fact that the decriminalization of cannabis as well as like less movies about cannabis and about weed and maybe vaping culture and how how much the the culture of, of weed has changed where now it's not just you know smoking some some buds in a bowl anymore rolling a J or a Blizz. Whoa, you look at the term. What a pro! Listen to yeah, this yeah, guy. I've, I've rolled a few Blizzes, kid. You rolled one for the movie. I did. Look, I rolled a Roach. That was complicated. That was. I had to roll a look good a pre-smoked Roach, which is like the end of a blunt. And it was artistic. It was beautiful. That was art. It was really, it was perfect. It was a lot of saliva. I was like, I, I was like, someone do this. I can't do it. A lot of saliva was involved. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby still smoked it. It's the best way to do it. But oh, what was I just saying? Oh, but it's changed so much where now we're seeing marijuana is being used with vapes and vapor and vapors, whatever those cartridges are full of, the uh, the weed oils. And I don't know. I, I don't know the terminology. I've never vaped before as well as like I was bringing up earlier, gummies and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and now yeah. foods and weed butter and all the different kinds of products and ways that you can consume THC. 
it's changed so much where it's not so much only about smoking the reefer, bruh. It's changed. It's ab- you're absolutely right because there aren't really any stoner movies getting made at all. And it used to be pretty common in the 2010s, 2000s. I suppose it has to do with, uh, you know, film goes through its ups and downs and there will be a certain genre that will be hot. And stoner comedy was hot in the 2000s. It was so hot in early 2010s. And it seems as though it's done. And maybe I'm, my guess is that box office wasn't good for a lot of these films. I know that the Harold and Kumar movies never did very well. A lot of these films that were coming out in the 2010s, later 2010s, all seemed to have pretty bad box offices. So perhaps studios were like, yeah, we're not going to invest in this genre anymore. We're also bringing that kind of goofy humor into big budget movies now. You know, that comedy was only with those with those movies. And now we're getting, you know, similar kind of comedy in comic book movies. It's not They're not stoner movies, but they're not smoking weed. But it's the same kind of vibe in, in comedy a lot of times. And so I think also because so many people are getting their comedy fix in big budget superhero movies, maybe they're not even making those movies anymore. Maybe the studios don't want to make weed movies anymore. Maybe they're afraid yeah, of so. doing it because of the stigma against it. That's still but they did it linger, for so long. But it still might linger with a lot of audiences. I mean, now that Disney owns every studio on the planet, maybe they don't want Oh, to- <laughs> that's also a good point. Disney owning a lot of studios might after have- after they bought 20th Century Fox- They might it, just be like, no, nothing with drugs just at all. minimal, unless yeah. it's like a, something to do with a drama or a rated R film. That's a good point. Because I remember even recently, American Ultra, that came out in what, 2015? 2015. Yeah. That's a cool movie. Kristen Wiig and Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did smoke a little reefer tonight. The Com- smoke's getting to you, man. Completely different Kristen. So Kristen Stewart <laughs> and Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg just plays a stoner deadbeat, but then he realizes he was trained by he's the awoken. CIA. So yeah. he's, he's basically like the, the whole MK Ultra experiments. Like, what if that was like put onto a stoner and he gets like these super spy abilities and he has to save him and his girlfriend. I thought that was a fun movie and that's a pretty recent yeah, pretty good, stoner yeah. film for 2015. The Night Of was also 2015. But still eight years ago both of those. The Night Of is that old? Holy 2015. Crap. We're getting old man. <laughs> that's, oh my goodness. That's what I'm talking about like in terms of what was the last really good stoner movie I think The Night Of was it because after 2015, I can't look. I can't find. What about Seth Rogen movies? What's he been doing lately besides? Uh, uh, well, the no, in the 2010s, late 2010s, he's been doing a lot more producing. And I said, well, Neighbors isn't a stoner comedy. He's in. He was in Neighbors. Okay. And Neighbors too, but those aren't stoner comedies. Those are party comedies. What's that movie with Jason Sudeikis and um, what's his? What's her name? Uh, what's she in? <laughs> You're gonna make fun of friends, Rachel. Um, Jeffrey Jennifer Aniston. Aniston. <laughs> the breakup? And, no, no. The, and they oh, have we're the, the Millers. We're the Millers. Isn't there a stoner element? Twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. a stoner comedy. But yeah. that was twenty thirteen. So that was even older. Wow, I can't even think of a stoner movie that's come out in the last like five years. I can't think of any either. And I mean, we we, we talked about this with comedies. How comedies are really just ending up on streaming now. And the caliber of comedy movies is kind of diminished in a lot of ways. And it used to be like laugh out loud. But now you're getting that comedy in Marvel movies, in, you know, a lot of TV series nowadays. And it, looks, it seems as though both the stoner genre and the comedy genre have dwindled out. And I suppose there isn't really a place for them anymore on guess, their own. I guess you could say that – what's the one with Mark Wahlberg and Kevin Hart? Is that – 
Um, oh, the Netflix Me one? Time? Is that what yeah, that's called? That's not a stoner comedy. It's not a stoner comedy. No, okay. I watched it. it was well, one... they made How High too. So it's a in... funny story. I watched that High. <laughs> it was like six months ago. It was my friend and I, who I was watching it, we, we turned it off after 30 minutes because it was probably, it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it was so bad. It was terrible. And I was high and I was like, I don't want to ruin this experience with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm really hard like how high two in 2019, but I mean what, you know which one I no one that. I liked was with Josh Peck, where he's the weed dealer, with Olivia Thirlby. What's that movie called? That one was really great. Josh Peck, Olivia Thirlby, Thirlby. In a movie that was called The Wackness. The Wackness. I, rem- so I remember. That's 2008. I remember really liking that. I know that oh, was. Yeah, I, I knew that. This movie. I knew that was older, but I remember really liking it because I think. Well, I was like, oh, yeah. we were like 17 when it came out. So I thought he was going to blow up an independent film after that. He Josh never Peck. did. He never did. I thought he was great. And Olivia blew up from that movie. Yeah. She, well, she's kind of, they both haven't really explored. They both never really kept rising because she did Dread with Carl Urban, which was awesome. And then he did The Wackness and then he did, I think, some TV, but then nothing for both of them, really. She had a great couple of years because before The Wackness, she was in Juno. Yes, she was. She played Juno's friend. Yeah. With the ha- hamburger phone. <laughs> <laughs> my phone's a hamburger was that Juno's phone or was it her phone I think it was Juno's phone I'm guessing she was in a movie with John Krasinski yeah she's been in a bunch of movies but I thought after Dread in 2012 that she was just gonna pop it's because she still works yeah. a lot obviously no yeah, yeah she's been I'm just talking and I thought cause she, we were watching her growing up same thing with Peck and I thought she was gonna have a pretty big rise into big stardom she's obviously still a very good working actor but she never hit what I thought she was gonna hit but that, that's what happens when you have a when you have a big budget movie flop like Dread did, you does you don't get those calls again. You know, you kind of get a one shot kind of deal most of the for time for the leading roles. Yeah, because you know what she's in in twenty twenty three, what Oppenheimer. Yes, and it only worked out for Carl Urban because he was already doing Star Trek. Yeah, so he was already in a huge big budget franchise, so that was like a safety net for him. Even though Dread, even though Dread failed, so Dread's if, awesome too. If though. Carl Urban, if that was his first big leading role, Dread. He would have probably lost a ton of uh, future work because of it, but but he had the the blanket of Star Trek going for him. Yeah, because then he turned that into just being recognized by audiences around the world, and then getting the boys, which is a huge job for him, yeah. which is so cool. And it's interesting how drugs are like still used as the Mac elements in a lot of films, whether it's weed or not, because clearly Compound V is in that, and and even in Dread has a drug compound that's uh, main theme of the film as well. The Beach Bum. Harmony Kareen's film was the last major one, but it wasn't that good with Matthew with Matthew McConaughey. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. that? Remember that trailer with Zac Efron's yeah. in it? Jonah Hill's in it. He's very good, but it was kind of just like it was just a very weird movie. It was pretty good, but I know I'm pretty sure it bombed the box office, didn't it? It did horrible. Yeah. Uh, Snoop Dogg is in it though. Snoop's been in a lot of stoner yeah. films, but it's a funny story. So McConaughey, he is obviously a famous stoner with him and his pal Woody Harrelson. They're they're <laughs> super famous, like buddies and stoners, but. Obviously, he's a very professional guy when he's working. He would never smoke weed, even though he's playing a super wild weed-smoking hippie in that film. And so he's just always smoking herbal uh, tobacco or whatever, not really smoking weed for the scenes. But then Snoop Dogg, he was sharing a scene with Snoop Dogg, and Snoop Dogg accidentally, uh, um, secretly sneaked him real weed. (laughs) And they were doing the scene together, and McConaughey apparently realized halfway that he was getting high. He's like, Snoop, did you you put real weed in this? (laughs) (laughs) It's such a Snoop thing to do. But Snoop's obviously in a bunch of great stoner movies. Soul Plane's great, but even Starsky and Hutch is kind of 
not really a stoner movie, but he does smoke weed in that movie because I think Snoop smokes weed in a lot of the movies he's in. It's probably a contractual obligation when he signs on. I love his character in Starsky and Hutch, Huggy Bear. Oh my God, so, so funny. funny. Yeah. I know a lot about grass. <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot about golf. No, nah, but I know a lot about grass. <laughs> I feel like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson are a great pair that I'd love to see them do something again. I would love to see a Starsky Zoolander and Hutch too. too. I try to erase Zoolander 2 from my, my mind. Zoolander's classic. Starsky and Hutch is it's phenomenal. Very good. It's very good. I'm, I really regret forgetting to put it on our best comedies of the 2000s list. Will Ferrell is the dragon. <laughs> or he <laughs> makes them be dragon. Here, I'm going to need something. Two dragons. <laughs> <laughs> love it. What would you say is your favorite stoner comedy of all time? I gotta go with, I gotta go with Days and Confused. I think that, well, Pineapple Express is unbelievable and so fun and one of my favorite comedies of all time. And I've watched it more times, but Days and Confused, when I watch it, it feels like it's the perfect portrayal of teen life in American neighborhoods of just partying, having fun with your friends. School's out. Forever, and you see all these scenes. There's no plot, but it it feels because we grew up in a time where, when school's out, when it's summertime, you're with your friends all day, every day. You're riding your bikes everywhere. Yeah, you're going all over the place. You're going to stores together. You're going to, like get get lunch or dinner together. You're throwing rocks off yeah. stop signs. You're jumping off bleachers. It's getting crazy out there. Yeah, you're doing everything together. And your parents don't really know what's going on. They're just like, you just like, I'll see you, um, see you guys. And then we'll just be at like Marco's house that night and be like, hey, mom, we're sleeping at Marco's. And then they'll be like, okay, see you tomorrow. Now all these kids are tracked by their parents 24-7. Yeah, but they don't even, but the kids are experiencing sh- social life online is the main difference. So they're, they're not really doing that like they used to. I feel lucky to grow up in that generation where we would just be gone and who knows what would happen. And, and you you would sometimes be like, oh, one of your friends, you'd be hanging out with like a, a group of small, small group of friends and then be like, oh, I, there's this party we heard about. Then you go to the party and then the party's like filled with a ton of kids and all sorts of bad stuff that uh, underage kids shouldn't be doing. But, you know, that's just part of childhood and part of growing up. Especially in this culture, <laughs> you know, like teenage years. Yeah, you teenage years. Kids and childhood. Well, I'm sorry. When I think of teenagers, <laughs> I'm when like, I, when I was 13, were we getting no, into that kind well, of trouble? When I think of a 16 year old, I think they, they look like a kid to me. Yeah. You know, when you get when you're in high school, no, no, when you're in middle school and you look at high schoolers, they look like grown ups. Yeah. And they look like adults. But then when you're a grown up in your 20s or 30s, then you look at high schoolers, you're like, they look like babies. <laughs> and it's like, you can't believe that you had that in your mind when you were younger, that they look so grown up. Except for that one kid who's yeah. hit puberty way too yeah, early. Yeah, 6'2", 220. Full beard. Yeah. Could literally beat the fuck out of you. Do- dominate, <laughs> dominates football. Yeah, no, 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 no competition. But Days Confused really captured that magic. And it, even though it's a period setting, you can still relate to it no matter what era you grew up in where there was more freedom as a young person, not like this 50s or 40s. And I just, when I see that movie, I feel like this is really like a slice of life of the culture. That Richard Linklater, that's kind of his MO, is getting a slice of reality yeah. in his films. And obviously he did that with Boyhood, bringing the reality of a, of a person's life into, uh, what was it, a 10-year journey for an for a feature-length film, filming yeah. it over three different periods of time, over 10 years. He just announced his next film, which will take 20 years to film, starring Paul Mescal. Really? He just, he just got added in. 
And so I can't remember what it's called, but it's going to be a 20-year filming process to make his next one of his next movies. That's awesome, man. That's <laughs> so cool. I made a funny tweet where uh, I responded to that by saying – I posted a photo oh, the, of – the Truman uh, Show. Yeah, I posted a photo of a newborn baby, and I wrote, Richard Linklater has cast a newborn baby to play Truman Burbank <laughs> in his upcoming project, The Truman Show. It will last about 77.28 years. That's funny. But it's really interesting the things he does. It's a, he's a really cool filmmaker when you think about it like that. No one he's a wonderful I, filmmaker. No one makes movies like Richard Linklater – completely yeah. unique and honestly rare in, in art to do something that takes that long to make over a long period of time to really grasp the life of a human being or human beings in a full story like that without doing sequels without recasting or anything like that just his one project it's really fascinating but he does that with a lot of films days confused is a great example but obviously a, a lot of his films kind of speak to that as well except for some that are just kind of just out there in, in different genres but I think he's a really cool director because of stuff like he that. He does it with the before franchise. Yeah. The before fran they're not filming every year, but they're filming every ten years for about four four months or so. And so I just think what he what I find fascinating about his filmmaking with those movies and then with Boyhood and then with this new Mescal movie, which sounds f phenomenal. I can't wait to see that. Is his interest in really showing how a character and a human being transforms over time. And not doing it with prosthetics, not doing it with makeup and hair or whatever, but really showing it. And then the thing, the thing with Boyhood is you really saw Arquette age. You really saw Hawk age. You really saw the kids age. And it felt like these are real people and real human beings. And the connection you made with them was very strong because of that. And no amount of prosthetics or hair or makeup or whatever can really change that because you can change how a person looks in their face. But can't change their voice, you know, and then especially the adults and kids just behavior changes and everything's about them is a little bit different from the first year to the last year. And and yet you and also it feels like you're in a way you're you're experiencing that time change in two hours and you're like growing up with them. But for you, it's two hours for them. It's 10 years. It's really fascinating. I will say Ethan Hawke aged like fine wine. Still looks great. Woo! Yeah. Other st <laughs> other stoner movies that I absolutely adore. Well, actually, my favorite I'll talk about is got to be Pineapple Express. It's great. It is endlessly rewatchable for me, and I can quote the hell out of it anytime. I thought Hurricane Season was over. I think so. Well, 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 Mr. Folgers. Yeah, we recorded it the other day. We quote it all the time. It's one of those movies that just crops up in our day-to-day -day life. I think you rip a man's jaw out of his face. I, I think it. I had you all over for, for dinner. Fish tacos. <laughs> so I just love that movie and the characters and the cast is so funny. And just... I'm sorry, the discovery of Danny McBride. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's he's amazing in it. Yeah. Like his career catapulted, launched because of uh, Pineapple Express. He'd been in stuff. Like I think Hot Rod came out around that time, too. But this was like where it propelled them to like doing like big movies. And then this is the end. Is He's like one of my favorite scenes of all time for a stoner movie when he wakes up in the tub and this is the end with the blunt with this with the joint so yeah. goddamn funny so danny mcbride he wrote and starred in this movie called the foot fist way and he plays a karate instructor have you seen yeah, it? yeah 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 we watched it back when it came out and seth rogan watched that movie and was like i gotta cast this guy for red that's how we got the role so that's funny. what blew him up and I just love the character. Saul Saul is like my one of my favorite stoner <laughs> characters of all time. He got a Golden Globe nomination for that yeah. film. And it's just ridiculously funny, so silly, but it's just really actually a well-written movie. The structure's fine. The structure's solid, but like 
The dialogue is great. The jokes, every single one of them lands for me. The situations are funny and ridiculous. The Every act is is great. It's got a solid ending and climax. I just adore Pineapple Express. Shine shoes? <laughs> Car radio. So, so the, boring. That script was originally written to have Seth Rogen play Saul and then to have James Franco play Dale. That was how they originally cast it. That would not have worked. And I believe they must have been doing tests and script read-throughs or whatever. And Seth Rogen realized, yeah, James Franco would be a much better Saul. And so they flipped roles. And you can imagine the film not working at all if Franco was the straight one and Seth Rogen was really playing the the wild card. Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't have worked because Seth Rogen's funny, but not enough to steal the show to character performance-wise. Because Seth Rogen's, I mean, I love the guy, but he's not really like becoming different people, especially in those movies. You know what I mean? Whereas Franco will really can really transform into the the person, and Franco also fought for the wardrobe, so he wears like those those cool pants with like that interesting pattern, the sweatpants, the sweatpants. They wanted him to wear Adidas sweatpants with the white two the white stripes down the side, and something else. But he fought for those pants, and it was like a big disagreement between him and the writers and Rogan. But then they finally gave in. We're like, okay, do that, and the long hair as well. He fought for. Linger, lingering. Always lingering. Ironically, I I don't believe James Franco has ever smoked weed before. Yeah, maybe not. But I love that movie. It's it cracks me up so much. Um, another great one is Friday. This one's a classic. Craig, Craig, I'm gonna get you high today. You ain't got no job. You ain't got. I get fired to- on your day off. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, but also really solid life lessons about the third act of this film. Yeah, but I I just love the characters and Chris Tucker is just. A lightning bolt on camera. He was just destined to be a movie star. And I, I think it's impossible not to recognize the talent of Chris Tucker when you watch movies like this because Ice Cube's fine in this movie. Everyone else is saw in this movie. But Chris Tucker just is the movie. He steals every single scene of this film. Every time he stop, he's talking, I'm just listening so intently and just gut-busting laughing. I love the guy so much, but Friday is a classic because of Chris Tucker. And then my number two is Lebowski. The Big Lebowski is just such a legend of a movie. And Jeff Bridges, his infectious personality, it felt like it was such a Jeff Bridges. Like, he's so similar to what that person is like in real life. And... What the Coens did, their comedy, their drama, their ridiculous story, excellent writing. John Goodman is perfect opposite of Lebowski. John. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> it's like John Goodman? Did I say John? It's the, uh, the smoke. It's getting in my... John, it's it's yeah, getting in me. I'm getting a little throat uh, <laughs> scratchy, too. <laughs> so much smoking, bro. Hopefully it's not toxic. <laughs> <laughs> but Lebowski, every time I watch it, it get, it's one of those movies that just get better. No matter how many times you've seen it. And uh, I mean, Jeff Bridges is, I think that Lebowski is the greatest hip, is the greatest stoner in film history. And I don't think it's even close. I love Saul. Saul's awesome, but Lebowski is the peak of it. Like, yeah, I mean, Saul's more goofy and silly, yeah. whereas Lebowski is just epitomizes the embodiment of a stoner, just like, just couch potato just like yeah. just slacking the by. lifestyle the slacker yeah. the slacker yeah. he's in the bathrobe the sandals every, the jellies. everything about him yeah. it's just the ultimate slacker stoner and he's just enjoys the hell out of his life and that's it that's all he needs but as soon as someone pisses on his rug 
then he has to get some answers for that situation. But other than that, he doesn't really do anything besides go bowling, drive <laughs> around, have a white Russian, and he's just very happy that way. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful film. It's <laughs> it's one of my favorite. It's a great L.A. movie, too. The dude! It's the dude, man. The dude, man. But what a terrific L.A. movie. If you live in L.A., Long enough, you watch Lebowski, you're like, oh my god, this is so L.A. This is, like, every set, every location, every street, it's perfect. And then, another one that I love is Inherent Vice, Paul Thomas Anderson's film. Such an underrated movie. It's, it's written, it's based off the writer Crichton, I can't remember his first name, and Joaquin Phoenix collaborated with him for the second time after The Master. He plays a P.I., but a stoner P.I., <laughs> and he's on this crazy, ridiculous weaving complex storyline it's like impossible to follow uh and it's so funny and weird and you know pta is just having complete control of what he's doing and just making the kind of movie that he wants to make and my favorite part of the film is there's this shootout and obviously pta wouldn't film a shootout like anyone else he does it his own way by the end of the shootout joaquin's on the top of the steps of like a stairwell and the the enemy is down a couple of floors. They fire off a few rounds, and then Joaquin just sticks his head. He's like, "Did I get you?" <laughs> <laughs> but he's always got—he's always smoking in pretty much every single scene. He's smoking, and it's terrific. He's got these giant mutton chops, and sometimes he tries to blend in with certain kinds of people in society. And it's—it's it's so obvious that he's just some hippie. And Josh Brolin is amazing in that film too he's terrific i love when joaquin's in the car with josh brolin's character and he's watching him eat that chocolate covered banana <laughs> he's like going to town on it he's like deep throating it <laughs> he's like he's choking he on it he gags on it <laughs> <laughs> so damn funny there's still so many storm movies to talk about but how about we'll run to our intermission oh yeah and then we will get back to the storm movies but before we continue make sure to get tickets to our live show it's coming up very, very soon, Saturday, January 21st. That's the Saturday. That's bonkers. This Saturday. Five days will be our live show. The tickets are still available for coming in person in Los Angeles to the Dynasty Typewriter at the Hayworth Theater. You can get those tickets at DynastyTypewriter.com. Just go on the calendar. You'll find us on January 21st or the link in all of our bios. will take you to the live show tickets. But if you can't make it to LA and you still want to watch our live show, our first ever live event online, you can get tickets from Moment dot co slash raiders of the lost i'll put links to these ticket uh, options as well in the description of the episode for spotify apple Podcasts, youtube as well wherever you're listening and watching this podcast the ticket links will be right at the top of the description of the episodes we cannot wait to have this experience with people in person but if you're watching online you can also interact with us while we're on stage and you will be watching the broadcast live it's going to be so much fun it's going to be the ultimate experience we've never done anything like this Hopefully, we can start to do more things like live shows and live events. But we have it scheduled for 12 p.m. Pacific time on a Saturday so that it's 3 p.m. Eastern time on the East Coast of the United States. It's 8 8 p.m. in the U.K. and then it's 7 a.m. in Australia. This way that everyone around the world, we have fans everywhere, can tune into the show as it's happening live. We're so excited about it. And the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. We have five different tiers to become a patron. $2, $5, $10, $25, each tier gets you a set of amazing perks. Patreon allows us to do the show full time, so thank you so much for the support 
around the world. This episode is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your movie posters online today. Don't forget to use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order right now. MoviePosters.com has a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of options like sizes, framing, and all sorts of backlighting for your poster needs. Whatever you want for a movie poster, they got you covered. If there's a movie fan in your life you want to get a gift for, if you want to deck out your house with a bunch of posters like James and I have, the best place is at MoviePosters.com. Head on over to the website and be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 to get a 10% discount today. All right, let's get into our intermission, Jim. Yeah, I don't know if anyone can hear, but it's raining pretty hard in Los Angeles right Downpour. now. So if you hear any raindrops, that's what that noise is. It's not the it's not like spa tones or anything like that or peaceful room noises of the jungle. I rain. love the sound of rain. Me too. All right, movie pop qu- I mean, movie release year is the first nope. No, no, quote. Movie quote. Did you really smoke? I think I really did smoke. <laughs> Something about these fumes, man. I, I feel like... It throws you off. It definitely does. It does throw you off. All right. Movie quote competition. You ready? Ready. D. Substance D. D is dumbness and despair. Desertion and desertion of you from your friends. Your friends from you. Everyone from everyone. Isolation and loneliness. And hating and suspecting each other. D is finally death. Slow death from the head down. Well, that's it. I don't know. A scanner darkly. Oh, Nice. Good movie. Really cool drug movie. Was that Downey's lines? That is no uh, Fred, which is um, Keanu. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That was an early Downey revolution rise that's like movie. Right. 2005, <laughs> 2006. Something like that. All right, here's my quote. It's a trip B movie. They uh, rotoscoped the entire thing. They filmed it, then rotoscoped it, animated. Yeah, it's super cool. They started eating each other until there were only two left, the two survivors. And then what? Do you kill them? No, you take them and release them into the trees. But now they don't eat coconut anymore. Now they only eat rat. rat. They have changed their nature to survivors. This is what she made us. What a great quote. I'll give everyone a moment. Skyfall. Correct. Great, great quote. All right. Movie release year. Train spotting. 1996. Correcto. Thanks, guy. Thanks, guy. Here's mine. Road to Perdition. Relevant film, you know, Prohibition movie. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely why I picked it. <laughs> um, 2006? 2002. Man, it's that old. Holy well, crap. it was an early Daniel Craig role. Yeah. He plays the son. Yeah, right? he plays yeah. Paul Newman's son. Super really good movie. movie. Yeah. Movie pop quiz time, sir. Who directed A Scanner Darkly? Was it Linklater? Correct. Yes. Richard Linklater. Nice. Thought so. It's very different from anything else in this filmography. Yeah. I almost said it earlier when we were talking about it. I'm like, oh, that's my uh, pop quiz question. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Here's my quiz question. Sam Mendes directed John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph in what film? John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph? What movie are they in together? The Sam Mendes movie. And they're the leads. The two leads. Huh. Oh, you've never seen this. I guess not. It, it's not the football movie, no. No, that's Clooney. Did Clooney direct that one? He did. 
I'm hmm. Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. It has to have been probably a while ago. It was quite quite a few. Because Maya, yeah. she she still does like some stuff, but she's not in like big movies really anymore. Ever since she left SNL, she I'm, was such a good SNL member. She's one of the best for sure. Iconic. She could do everything. I don't know. Away we go. Mm. You never seen it? I don't think so. It's they play a. Couple, oh yes, they, where he's got the beard, right? He has a beard. She's pregnant. And they're looking. They're traveling the country looking for a place to raise a family. Yeah, yeah. And they encounter all sorts of quirky people along the way. I've seen that. I've seen that. I'm sure you have. I said the beard thing. <laughs> we watched it together, I think. You might have shown me it. Probably. Maybe you've just seen the poster. All right. <laughs> Anyways, I have seen it. There's a scene on a, on a college campus. There's a professor involved and another yeah. woman. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it, bruh. Maggie Gyllenhaal's in it. Yes. She plays, I believe it's... His sister-in-law or sister, and she—it's funny. Her, her and her husband are raising their two little, <laughs> two little kids in like this really weird, naturalistic way where they all share one bed. Even the kids, it's just like a giant bed, and they'll even have sex. They'll have sex in front of the yeah. kids. <laughs> they, just, they don't do it in the movie, but like they talk about it. Like, why make love in front of my children? I like where the line where she's like. Someone's like, why don't you get a stroller for your baby? She's like, why would I want to push my child away? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hold them close to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've seen it, bro. You have seen it. Wow, I'm impressed. You're wrong. I'm impressed. All right. Do we have any haters besides you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a few. All right, we got <clears throat> Aurelius79. Wait, you're actually honest on this podcast? Unsubscribe. JK, love your work and your respect for everyone's opinions. The subjectivity of film is one of my favorite things about it. Thanks, pal. Then we have <laughs> Johnny Depp in the truffle chicken tendy spotlight. Unsubscribed <laughs> from Zoink Zaddy. Yeah, we talked about truffles and chicken tendies a little too much. It was a long episode, but it was fun. Zoink Zaddy also wrote, I think you talked about truffle more than you did Johnny Depp. <laughs> Mike Filler, 6842. Hey, I'm early this time. Great job on the video, guys, as always, but I can't believe you forgot to mention Johnny Depp's major role that influenced so many people in the amazing movie Freddy's Dead where he played the guy on TV. So I got to unsubscribe. <laughs> we have a real hater. Oh, real? Yeah, I got a couple on Twitter too. So Randy Dehoff wrote on our Top Gun review, every part I skipped to in this video seems they are talking about every movie but Maverick. Next. What? So well, he, also the grammar is terrible. I, I kind of cleaned it up. They wrote, every part I skipped into this video, into this video's, Seems they are talking about every movie but Maverick. So I'm guessing that Randy just opened our review of Top Gun and just kept scrolling to different parts, listening for about two two or three seconds, and then said we're talking about every movie but Maverick. So He probably went to the intermission. Maybe. Well, he said he skipped to multiple parts, so I wrote— That makes no sense. I wrote, might not, it might help to not skip and actually listen to our conversation. It's an hour and 50 minutes on Top Gun Maverick yeah, with I'll, our intermission, yeah. But I mean, I'm pretty we sure— We talked about Tom Cruise quite a bit in that movie. I'm pretty sure we pretty much only talked about Top Gun we Maverick. Discuss, we discussed— pretty sure. There's a good amount of that episode where we talked about Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, there wasn't any truffle talk in that the one. The majority. Yeah. We were focused on that one. Oh, yeah. What a hater. Randy— I don't think they were ever subscribed, but unsubscribe. I got some real haters on our Twitter account because Twitter's toxic. Huh? I made a uh, you made a, a highly engaging tweet that I knew would make yes yeah, controversial. I knew would make some people really upset because obviously you have to have the same opinion as everybody, right? 
<laughs> if you have a different Eltic, Yeah, yeah, I got a bunch of those. L worst take of all time because I, I wrote um Batman Begins is greater than the Batman in a tweet, just like you know the greater than sign. I love the Batman. You all know that. I have the Batman art book. I adore that movie. You have a, a four foot tall poster in your room of the Batman. Of the ba- I, I look at it every day. <laughs> love that movie. But I like Batman Begins more. So that's what you know, I think that's a better movie How for me. How dare you? It's a better movie for me. And that doesn't take anything away from the Batman because I thought it was brilliant. I just think Batman Begins is a misunderstood and mis I mean underrated well, it's, not mis- mas- it's not misunderstood Very or underrated. It's an eight point five on IMDb. It's is got it? is, yeah, it's got a great rating. Is it that high? It's up there, man. Hold on. I don't think it's that high. It's up there. No way. No way, Jose. Way. 8.2. 8.2. Still There's a, a great big difference, though. Hey, still a great rating. That's a great rating. That's a better rating than most movies, man. But I, but the fact that you can't have an di- opinion than different people to get really upset about it, which I get. I understand. Like, that is what it is. But I got we got a bunch of takes. Uh, we got we got a, a couple unsubscribes. So those the, are those are our friends. The popcorn podcast wrote unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I got a L L L take <laughs> unsubscribe from Mark Sportiello. <laughs> Holy L. <laughs> no, close but no. Nah, this ain't it. What else do we get? A, a bunch of people agreed, <laughs> and then I agree. Uh, someone just wrote no. No, probably the worst take of all time. There's, really? be- there's definitely worse takes than that. Let's be honest. But got a hey, couple, uh, couple hey. of haters, a couple of great unsubscribers. Hey, I agree with you. But if someone likes the Batman better, good for them. I, I'm cool. That's with me. awesome. Not an L take at all. That is yeah. a W take in my opinion. Yeah. You like what you like. You like what you like. Twitter man, it's so toxic. <laughs> I like how I like how people just. Repeat the same comments that you've seen a thousand times. Well, the thing is, I think Twitter, a lot of people get in their opinions from Twitter, from TikTok, and they're just making sure they're part of, like, the majority of an opinion. Yeah. And Or because I think recency bias plays a huge factor in films that come out, especially something like the Batman. Everyone's like, a lot of people I've seen, it's the best superhero movie of all time for them or the best Batman movie. And I think it's great, but it's not better than The Dark Knight. There's no way. But it's still, it's still amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, we were talking the other day how there's, like, this recency bias where people will see a movie. Like, this year, I've seen it so many times. People will see a movie... And then walk out saying, that's the greatest movie I've ever seen. It's like, you get to maybe sit on it. Sit on it. <laughs> Just a few. Couple, couple viewings. Couple viewings before you could say, I feel like you could say that. I mean, I know you might feel strong about it, but it's so knee-jerk reactionary these days in the film culture climate where it's like, it has to, also the competition thing where it's like, when you watch a movie, it's like, this has to be the best of whatever list, or it has to be the best of this genre, or it's going to be... It has to win the Oscar or has to be the best of all time. It's like we're constantly like competing, putting movies against each other and making competition. Like, why can't you just say like, so you and I, we, I like to say this is my favorite movie of this genre or this is one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years. I'll, it's, it's I'm not quite a bit. I don't like saying this is the best movie of the year. Or like, this is the best movie of the century. I'll be like. This is my favorite movie of the century. I think Dune was the best movie last year. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but I think I don't know. But you didn't say it was the best movie of, of all time. Oh, no, I I didn't. I don't even have it in my top seventy-five. You yeah, know, I, I need to sit on it for yeah. a few years. And for me, for my top movies, my favorite movies of all time, I wa- I had to watch them all many times before I finally made that decision, and also watched a lot of other movies too. And also, I feel like a lot of younger people don't watch old movies at all. 
And so anything made before 1990, they can maybe name five movies. And they're not watching anything from the 60s. They're not watching anything from the 50s, especially the, the 40s where, you know, movies really came into their own. Uh, or in 70s, they'll probably, like, know the Godfathers and the Star Wars movies. But, I mean, other than that, they haven't probably seen much of those. So I think it's, I don't know, we're in this climate where people just want to say right away, as quickly as possible, this is the best thing ever. Over the last few years, is there anything that's in, like, the top 50 all time? I would say something like... I have one. What? Parasite. Parasite's top. But I had yeah. to, I watched it four times before I said that. But still, there's movies I think that are just so underrated, like The Master is such a great movie. That was, what, 2015? Blade Runner 2049, that's up there for me, too. That's 2017. I think that's just a terrific masterpiece of filmmaking. That's in my top 100 of all time, for sure. I'd have to go through, I'd, I'd have to, like, look at some lists. But obviously, there have been some great, great, great movies that we've been spoiled with the last several years. But... Very few that you're like, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen, like, hands down. But it's a tremendous experience. But Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I feel like you people are walking out of a movie, yeah, it's awesome that you loved it. But to just say something's the best thing ever, and you've watched, it's been 10 minutes since you watched it, I mean, I think that's kind of silly. I think, like, something like Dunkirk is one of the best war movies ever made. Oh, that's yeah. a recent film. But I had to watch it a couple of times to really determine that. I get that for sure. The I mean, would you say The Revenant? Is like an all-time movie. The Revenant is up there. I wouldn't. I don't think I would put it in my top 100 though. Mad Max: Fury Road. That's a top 100 movie. That's. I'd say Mad Max is an all-timer. That's an all. That's an I'd all-time movie. An all-timer. But that's 20, 2018? Yeah. Twenty. No, I'm sorry. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Holy crap. Yeah. I'm just running through like recent lists, but there's there's a ton. But I didn't I didn't walk out of Mad Max saying that's the best movie of all time. I walked out of it saying that was insane and one of most incredible action movies I've ever seen. But then you watch it a few more times. You're like, okay, yeah, you know what? I've seen it a bunch. I'm thinking about it in comparison to the other films of that genre or other ones similar. And I'm like, you know what? This is up. This is tops them. But it's not Morbius. <laughs> oh, nothing's Morbius. Anyways, let's get uh, yeah, into yeah, more of our intermission that we're going to get into. That tangent just went on for a little bit. But that, I think people love that. Yeah. Well, let's get back on track. Yeah, on get- this day in film history, today is January 16th. Again, our live show is wow, in five, five days. days. Whoa. Woo. Are you nervous? Not really. Not really. 1962, shooting begins on Dr. No, the very first James Bond film. In 1998, Star Kid came out. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. Star Kid with the guy from the social network. In 2004, Along Came Polly and 21 Grams came out. I think Along Came Polly is such an underrated comedy. Make it rain. White chocolate. <laughs> R.I.P. 2009. Paul Blart Mall Cop came out. In 2015, Foxcatcher came out. That was the Steve Carell, Channing Tatum, and Mark Ruffalo movie. The fun fact, they shot Paul Blart Mall Cop at the mall you and I grew up going to. Burlington Mall, Burlington right? Mall. They That's... shot it there. We grew up going to that mall. Happy birthday today to John Carpenter and Lin-Manuel Miranda. My streaming recommendation for the day is going to be In the Mood for Love. This is on HBO Max. Is a Wong Kar Wai film. It is brilliant, beautiful, and absolutely devastating at the same time. What are you watching next? The, what'd you say? Happy Together. Happy Together. It's a great pairing with it. I will. I'll put it on next. My stream recommendation is Lady Vengeance from Park Chan-wook. It's crazy, surreal, ultra-violence, revenge saga, as only he could do it on Criterion Channel. I loved it. 
let's get back into our best stoner movies of all time episode and talk about some oh, we others. Have, we have a chosen one. Oh, I'm okay. so sorry. We have a, a shout out for patron. Who we got? Nick Martin became Nick. a chosen one patron. Our guy. He's also a producer. producer on the short film. Yeah. Just a great friend of the show. So active in the Discord on social media. We love you, Nick. You're the best. Appreciate yeah. you so much. Yeah, he's been a patron and godfather patron for a long time, and then he upped to chosen one. So very happy and glad to have you on board. And so he's going to get a private watch party, and yeah. in three months he gets to come on the show. Oh, yeah. It's going to be super exciting. It's be Did he make a movie yet? Yeah, it's this Japanese film. He's been getting me to trying to get me to watch it. I, just have, I keep forgetting to, so we're going to watch that. Cool. What's it called? Do you know? Uh, not off the top of my head. All right. No worries. Can't wait to stop it with the twenty-one questions. <laughs> Let's move back into the. What day are you gonna? Do, are we doing it? Or, uh, what, what what socks are you wearing today? Slash, <laughs> you are you? Back into the stoner episode. Let's talk about some others. How about Harold and Kumar go to White Castle? Oh, yeah. I'd never heard of White Castle Burger before. Yeah, we didn't grow up near one, and I'd never had it before. And then this movie came out, and then I started seeing it at the grocery store in the frozen frozen section. They actually started selling. They probably did. I just never noticed it. Yeah. The little mini White Castle burgers. You get a box of four. Obviously, they're not as good as I'm sure going in person. But there have been times where I've been, you know, smoking the devil's lettuce, and I've been like, I want to get White Castle burgers. Nuking some of those up. Yeah, put them in the microwave. Absolutely delicious. The but chopped the, up onions on yeah. it. Yeah. But Harold Kumar, it's such a great little saga franchise of stoner movies now. Uh, we have great cast members. We have Cal Penn and John Cho who just have great chemistry together. And then Neil Patrick Harris shows NPH. up. Bobby Lee. It's just uh, Ryan Reynolds has cameos in them as well. He's He plays the male nurse in that movie. Yes, yes, yes. But I think... Because... Um, I'm sorry. What's, what's the actor's name who plays Kumar? Who, Cal Penn? Cal Penn was in... Van Wilder. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why that's that. why Ryan Reynolds has that cameo. But I love Alan Kumar. They're so damn funny. And just two stoners who aren't quite hitting their potential in life. Well, at least Kumar hasn't. <laughs> Harold, you know, he's a more responsible Well, because person. his dad's made him responsible. Yeah, so he's, he's a doctor because his, his dad forced him to be a doctor. Kumar is kind of like the wild card, but yeah. Neil Patrick Harris is the real wild card. These movies are hilarious. They're so funny. Just like an endless adventure of shenanigans, just like most Turner movies should be. The MPH scenes in the first one are ridiculous. They're insane. Dookie Hauser. It's it's like the end of a. This was an era of raunchy comedies that were still getting made, where it's like the perfect amount of comedy, the perfect amount of bad writing, as well as the perfect amount of nudity, and yeah. like all it had a little bit of everything. American Pie, you know, Euro Trip, the the road road trip. Was they all one. had the same the same yeah. sauce, the same recipe. Yeah, and it doesn't work anymore though. <laughs> That's for sure. Not because of Twitter. <laughs> Definitely doesn't work anymore. <laughs> An interesting one is Super High Me. So remember Super Size Me? Yes. Where, what was that guy's name who ate nothing but McDonald's? Oh, yeah. Uh, was, I it can fast, was it only McDonald's, I think? It was, only, it was McDonald's for uh, 30 days month. straight yeah. for every single meal and to see the health uh, effects it would have on his body. And obviously, it was not good. Apparently, he, almost, he like had serious yeah, health conditions because yeah. of it afterwards. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, he's eating fast food. He knew it was going to happen. But someone did it with. Marijuana, so comedian, comedian isn't that Doug, just a stoner? <laughs> <laughs> comedian Doug Benson conducted a, conducted an experiment for thirty days where he smoked weed all day, every day, constantly, continuously, and then 
measured his uh, the effects on his body afterwards and his physician said that really nothing changed except he gained some like eight pounds of weight and he was just worse at math <laughs> i mean that sounds like a dumb experiment not gonna lie it was a movie i mean i'm sure he made money off of it <laughs> i could have told you that's what would happen so, yeah so he gained eight pounds and a significant decrease in his ability to do mental mathematics yeah, sounds about right. So yeah, you just you just hide. I, I mean, I know people like that. It's just, a, just <laughs> been just, doing that for twenty years. It's just a dude. <laughs> he's just living. He's just a living stoner, a good man. <laughs> you know who my, one of my favorite stoners in movies though? It's not a stoner movie, but Chaz, True Romance with Chaz, yeah. Brad Pitt's character is so funny. It's, is it Chaz? A, I thought it was Floyd. Floyd, sorry, Floyd. Have you Floyd's seen it? Floyd's great. Floyd's great. It's all the smoke, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. But Spicoli's up there too. Spicoli, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There's... It's not really a stoner movie, yeah. but he's like the best part. He is the stoner part, the stoner element. But I would, I would call it a stoner movie because one of the main characters is a stoner, him, and he is hysterical, infectious, steals every scene he's involved in, and it's the perfect portrayal of the hippie surfer smoker. It was terrific. I love it. I really like Knocked Up. Knocked Up's good. This was an yeah. early Judd Apatow film. It was, you know, we were just getting exposed to his two and a half hour dramedies. And this was like a really big one. This whole entire crew, they've all become successful actors and really famous, you know. Yeah. But this was one of the, the early ones for them because obviously Seth Rogen was the lead with Katherine Heigl. But we have Jay Baruchel is in this as well as, what's his name from How I Met Your... Jason Siegel from How I Met Your Mother. This was before films. Pineapple Express. 2004, 2005. The cast is absolutely stacked. 2007. It's a pretty pretty good story, too, where Seth Rogen's character obviously gets Katherine Heigl's character pregnant, but he's, like, not obviously the ideal guy who she thought she yeah, would remember, want to fall in love with. Yeah, remember the posters of him with... It was a close-up of Rogen with this funny look on his face, like, I guess so. And the tagline was, imagine if this guy knocked you up. Yeah, that was the tagline. <laughs> But Bill Maher has a great little podcast interview show now on YouTube where he has really cool guests on. He had Judd Apatow and Tarantino on a couple weeks ago. Together? Together. So cool. Was, you got to check it out. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's on YouTube. Just search it. And it was a great 20-minute conversation. And they're actually, they've actually become pals, Apatow and Tarantino. But what happened was Tarantino was casting Inglorious Bastards at the same time that Apatow was casting Funny People. And Tarantino said, you took all the good Jews. Because <laughs> he wrote The Bear Jew for Adam Sandler. But then he, like, he wanted like... That's right. I forgot about Tarantino that. Tarantino was saying he basically he wanted all the A-list Jews for his movie. <laughs> but funny people got cast first and took a lot. Of, he's, and Tarantino was like, you, got, you took all the good Jews from me. <laughs> it's really funny. It's <laughs> a good joke. Uh, Paul Rudd is great in this movie. Leslie Mann. Uh, Jonah Hill, obviously. Jonah Hill is terrific in this movie. Martin Starr. So, like, all yeah, the these, roommates. Yeah. yeah, it's great. All these actors and actresses are all yeah. huge now. And the, the, the movie's terrific. The cast is great. But really, some great dramatic beats and moments. Like where, all Apatow movies. You know, the There's consequences a, yeah. of what's going to happen to two people who barely know each other and then they get pregnant. And I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people. And a lot of families have started like that, including the Devonies. But oh, <laughs> you work at E. 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 Mr. Skin, no, Mr. Skin. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but this movie, and this movie is also full of a ton of, of weed smoking and yeah, pot smoking. Ton, yeah. And I think. Well, I mean, he the the earthquake happens and he saves his bong before <laughs> he ta he takes his bong and runs out. And she's like, "What about me?" <laughs> so this is one of my favorite stoner comedies of all time, and I think it's just a great 
movie that a lot of people can relate to in their own personal lives in real life. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And that's something that Apatow does really well is he taps into realism today and just like the, the culture that we're currently living, living in in like real situations. He always adds a lot, of, a great amount of heart to his films too. There's an emotional center. For Your Version has a, it can, it, it can be quite sad and tragic at times. Yeah, don't worry. We won't let you get there. <laughs> 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 I shouldn't even bring it up anymore. I you, shouldn't even you bring set it up. yourself up, up every time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not sad, Anthony. <laughs> you're gonna, be, dude. You're fine. You're normal. You're a normal guy. <laughs> you don't have to have sex. <laughs> it is still funny. It is still funny. <laughs> every time. I love Rogan in that movie. Just. Ask questions. <laughs> That's how you talk to women. Just ask questions. <laughs> yeah, it's still funny. This is the end. Is also it's kind of like a culmination of that group of actors, you know, of where they became, yeah, where they, they where they went, yeah. But to see, because you hadn't seen them all in a movie together since Knocked Up, yeah. Was are they all in Knocked Up? Pretty well, much. Well, even Franco's Cra not Knocked Up. Just Franco, but even Craig the Robinson's in Knocked Up too. But Danny Rides on it. Okay, and not uh, Danny McBride. Yeah, so I'm, this this is the end. It's like the whole crew, and obviously the main crew is McBride, Burchell, Franco, Craig Robinson, Seth Rogen, and Jonah Hill. But everybody else shows up in some regard throughout the, the especially the first act. Jason Segel has a cameo in the yeah, Michael Sarah. This yeah. is the end. Is one of my favorite comedies yeah. this century. It's so gut busting funny because all these actors and actresses they're playing themselves. Everyone's playing themselves in this movie, and especially the main cast they're playing kind of the caricatures of what is made fun of them by each other and by audiences. What they think about them, just playing the most. Whether it's pretentious artists for Jonah Hill and James Franco, or just like uh, I'm Seth Rogen, Stoner Seth Rogen, Jay Baruchel, who nobody, who like McBride being no, the wild card. Yeah, it's it's just great yeah. them all playing funny versions of themselves and just not taking it too seriously. But also, it's just so funny. I love post-apocalyptic movies, but what happens when you make a post-apocalyptic film, mix it with a bunch of stoner actors, and a great freaking concept? And yeah. I love every minute of that movie. Makes me die laughing. The great nods to horror movies and The Exorcist and Rosemary's yeah. Baby. It's just so goddamn funny. <laughs> Channing Tatum. <laughs> Channing Tatum. More like Channing Tatum. I love him. <laughs> I fucking eat people, man. <laughs> Get off my... <laughs> I'm a cannibal now. <laughs> Peace. It's, it's terrific. It's it's really a fantastic comedy. Can I get some of that Milky Way? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I have sort of a low blood sugar thing. <laughs> Who jacks off to magazines? I like to read. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nerd. <laughs> dumb loads all over. Dumb loads like a dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And McBride has a great character entrance. It's amazing. Where he's like, "I made entrance. breakfast for you all." Danny's here. He's eating all the food. <laughs> <laughs> he drank our water twice, two times. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. I need some water to wash down this dry ass. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love that movie. It's <laughs> my favorite part might be when Franco is he sacrifices himself to save the others, and he's getting, <laughs> the light beam takes him, and he's slowly rising, and he, and he shouts down to, to McBride, "Suck my dick, fuck you!" <laughs> and then the light shirt shuts off, and he falls down. 
It's so funny. It's so funny. That movie's brilliant, but they have a great opening stoner sequence where I think it's it's fun when movies do like kind of like the drug sequence in a different way where Rogan and Baruchel are just like that's getting... pineapple. Wait, no, I'm sorry, I'm mixed up. Let me continue. Sorry, yeah, yeah you're a good man. Where yeah. they're pl- where he comes home, comes to L.A. and he like has the whole layout of like oh, yeah. J's spelled with a J, <laughs> spell a J, <laughs> J's. It says J. He's like, you have a 3D TV. He's like, yeah, man, I did it. I, I, I did. Made it. It. I did it, man. <laughs> I think the best opening is gonna be in Pineapple, the black and white opening in the in the in the 60s with Bill Hader. Bill Hader testing weed for the first time and then being examined. Oh my god, it's it was so hilarious. Movies like that, like great comedies like that, you're in a theater filled with 200 people and everybody is laughing out loud. It's so funny. It's it's amazing. I'm depressed that they kind of disappeared. I can't remember the last comedy I saw in a theater. Pineapple Express is one of the funniest movie theater experience, maybe the funniest movie theater experience I've ever had in my entire life. It was a packed crowd. Everyone was laughing. Not to mention, every time I've watched this movie, I still yeah. laugh. But that opening, never seen anything. This is the like bee's movie. knees. We gotta get it out there. I feel like a slab of ba- butter melting on top of big old pile of flapjacks. <laughs> we gotta let the people know. Be- gotta, gotta Item get this nine out is, is the, the bee's, bee's knees. With the scuba outfit, the diver suit comes in. But, like, that was such a great movie theater experience that I, I miss having those because, like we've been talking about, there's still funny movies, but when was the last time you went to the movie theater to see a straight-up comedy? Game night? Like, it's been a it's been a while. I didn't see game night in theaters, though. I, I mean, didn't, but, like, the night of was, like, the last big comedy I've seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, man. And in the last 10 years, I mean, well, actually, Wolf of Wall Street's older than that, but, like, Wolf of Wall Street's 2013. still... It's still like the one of the funniest movies of the last decade, Wolf of Wall Street. I, I miss going to movies knowing that you're going to experience a great comedy, but obviously there have been plenty of movies that aren't superhero movies with the one-liners that are still really funny, and I still laugh. A lot mm-hmm. of great horror movies mm-hmm. lately have had great humor as well, but I miss just having... It does seem like a genre that's gone. In, I miss having theaters. a stacked lineup every year of comedies. Every year there's always a handful of comedies as well as a bunch of bad ones, but a handful of great comedies that you could expect to... Have a huge box office, a huge theater attendance, and have a great time at the at the theaters just watching. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I then miss a, it. a lot of big studios have there's they've gotten wise and like they've hired comedy actors for big movies. You know, I mean, Paul Rudd is Ant Man. You know, I mean, he's a terrific, terrific comedic actor, and he brought that to the MCU because everyone else was more of like action first and then comedy well the one-liners yeah they all kind of had they like, could do it but like they weren't like naturally funny like paul rudd is just like so infectiously hilarious then thor ragnarok had that tonal shift we've talked about yeah. so many times where you know hemsworth has great natural comedy and charisma but ant-man the first ant-man is one of the funniest marvel movies without a doubt Well, edgar wright wrote that first script that's yeah, why and then adam mckay wrote the the final draft with Paul Rudd, the, the Marvel approved draft. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the MCU approved draft. I would love to read the Edgar Wright version, or at least just see that movie. Imagine, that would have been a terrific film. Yeah, I, Ant I Man's mean, pretty good, but like if Edgar Wright was able to write and direct it with his creative freedom, that would have been incredible. Yeah, he, and he he did cast Paul Rudd. He's the one who who cast Paul Paul Rudd as Ant Man. So I guarantee he, it could have had the potential of being like a top five com, uh, Marvel movie, MCU movie. I really w- would have liked to see his approach to the directing of. The sequences, especially the shrinking, it, it seemed to be, you know, perfectly suited to 
his style of filmmaking. You can tell some of the scenes were clearly his ideas. Like I love the the train battle where they're on top of the train toy set and the comedic cutting back and forth from uh, away from the train set as a normal oh, human, yeah, yeah. and it just looks like a little toy set, and then cutting back to them as tiny little ants and wasps on top of it, and it's like explosions, and and like it sounds, it's like a real train with train noises. So you clearly know that Edgar Wright wrote that into the script for sure because it's such an Edgar Wright sequence. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And what what what's interesting is the comedy genre. Like a lot of like the funniest movies nowadays, they are not strictly comedies. Like. Wes Anderson movies like Grand Budapest Hotel, hilarious, but not it's not like a comedy. The Nice Guys is very funny. Lady Bird is really funny, but I wouldn't call it a comedy. Actually, so Nice Guys, I would say, is the last comedy maybe I saw in theaters. Was that 2018, 17? Nice Guys was 16. Wow, my God. Yeah. I mean, The Big Short is very funny, but it's not a, it's com- not a comedy. It's not a comedy. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is very funny. But very it's not funny. a comedy. Yeah, not a comedy. Exactly. So it seems as though... I'm sure we're missing some exceptions. Uh, But I'm talking like none of these movies are just a comedy. Like Lady Bird's not – you wouldn't call it a comedy. It's a dramatic comedy. And I can't think of anything that is just like just a comedy like in the last 10 years. It seems like the comedy genre is really gone. Uncharted was a funny movie, which is not what I wanted from an action-adventure film. That was more funny than it was like an action-adventure if you think about it. You never saw that movie, but I was a little – I was disappointed by that movie because it was such a a long origin story. And they just focus on – like a lot of these studios, they write their scripts. They're very basic, but then they pepper in all the one-liners to make it seem like a, a great enjoyable experience, which it still is, but it's not the, what it could be like that yeah. could have been an Indiana Jones franchise, and then even someone with Taika Waititi, Jojo Rabbit. It's not a, it's calm. It's very comedic, but it's, you wouldn't call it a comedy. It's very it's very dramatic too. The Death of Stalin is I mean it's a dark comedy. That's a, yeah satire. Like, yeah, yeah satire. satire. So yeah, the, it seems like just just comedy as a s- solo genre on its own is kind of gone from theaters. It's disappointing. It really is. I believe it's just gone to kids' films now, like Minions. You know, that's comedy. Seems like... Yeah, so- but no, kids' films have always been funny. Yeah, that's true. They've that's always true. But it's just... It's kind of just like the Marvel movies are now just like the biggest laughs of the year. Yeah. But it seems like comedy is just half of a movie's genre. It's not going to be just a comedy. It'll be like uh, something something slash comedy. You know what I mean? It is what it is. The genre is just yeah. been blended. I feel into like we, we had maybe peak comedy in 2000s, the 2000s. man. Might have been peak comedy in film history, honestly. It's when you could still like kind of say whatever you wanted yeah. on we grew up, We probably grew up with the best time for comedy. It was like the Wild West. Yeah, Everyone got out of their systems. Yeah. <laughs> Before the internet really took hold. Before social media. <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. Some other great stoner films. Ted and Ted 2. I thought these were hysterical. So much stone. Stoner, so much stoning in this movie, so much pot smoking. That's not what the kids say, Jim. And yeah, no, that's why I invented this episode. So much stoning, so much stoning. Like people murdering people with stones. Stoning. I thought it was that's super funny. Plus, Tom Brady has a great cameo in the first one, which is the perfect spiral. (laughs) They open up the blanket; it's just like light glowing, gold light. (laughs) It's like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. A ridiculous plot. Seth MacFarlane's such a funny guy. Family Guy is a hilarious show, and just bringing his writing, directing, and acting chops to the big screen was really cool. Even though he's not on camera, he's playing Ted. But you know, Marky Mark was—he's such a funny guy when he he gets to do comedic roles, like. Him and the nice the I mean, other guys. The other guys is oh really funny as well. Okay, I that's, am a peacock. That's a straight up comedy. Yeah. Yeah, but that was a while 2014, ago. 2014, probably 2015. Maybe older. Maybe older, but 
I, I think Marky Mark's a, a hilarious guy with the right script, and it, it worked so well with him and Ted in the first one. Obviously, they're making a Ted. 2010. Oh my the god! Other guys. 2010. Don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> I don't know what you're. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm lost. Man, that makes me feel really old. 13 years old. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Step Brothers is almost 15 years old. 2008, right? 2000. I think it's Step Brothers. It's 2008. Yeah, it might be 2008. Same year as The Dark Knight. Two, 2008. Two yeah. best movies of the year, right? <laughs> Good, year. Good year. Good year. Good year. Do you have any other star movies to talk about? Yeah, Half Baked with Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a really good one because him, Jim Brewer is the other guy, I believe. Yeah, Jim Brewer's in that. Half, this is a third guy. Who's the third guy? Bear with me one second. Oh, it's just him and Jim Brewer. And then, yeah, there's another guy. But Jim Brewer is the other Guillermo lead. Guillermo Diaz. Okay, yeah. Scarface. And they, they come up with some like criminal plan that goes wrong, but it is so fun. It's just, it's a, it really is. You have to you have you can only enjoy it high. I think that movie. You know, well, that I, makes well, sense? well I mean no, but we, I saw the movie when I was young, when I was a kid. Yeah. When that come out nineteen two thousand ninety eight. We're eight years old. We were like yeah. nine years old when we saw that movie. That's crazy. My brother shows. So yeah. I had no idea what smoking weed was like. But it was very funny. It's very funny. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. It's got a bunch of great lines, it's iconic, it's a cult classic. And also Dave Chappelle before the world knew who he was. Pretty much. Also, dude, where's my car? Yeah. Great stoner yep. comedy. Dude. Bro. Bro, well, no, it's uh, sweet, sweet. You have a tattoo. What's it say, dude? What's mine say? Sweet. What does mine say? Great comedic duo with Jennifer Ashton Garner. Kutcher. Yeah, Sean William Scott. <laughs> oh yeah, Jennifer, Jennifer Garner. Oh my yeah, god, she's uh, Ashton Kutcher's girlfriend. One of that. the one of the sisters. Yeah, no, one of the girlfriends. Yeah, but they're sisters. Oh right, they're yeah. sisters. Yeah, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Wasn't it aliens? Yeah, they're yeah. aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob strike back is another solid. Comedy, star comedy, clerks, clerks. Is clerks that a stoner? Yeah, well, they're they they're smoke. in it. They smoke. Yeah, but like James and Bob was like a stoner movie. Yeah, they smoke in every scene they're in. James yeah, and Bob. I mean, it's like yeah. based on the movie that's being made, Blunt Man and Chronic. Yeah, Mallrats is a stoner movie. I feel like Jason Lee's character smokes a lot. Is it a stoner movie. I feel like Jason Lee's character in Mallrats would love living today because comic books are so big and oh, Marvel's yeah, he, so he'd enormous. He's losing his shit. Like he, he Stan Lee made. A cameo in that he has like a full scene in that movie. Yeah, so like if his character lived in this era, like he'd be the best time of his life. There's uh, there's the in the scene, he asks Stan Lee like how crazy it was like hookup culture in the '60s and '70s, and then Stan Lee goes, you know, me and Mick, we we used to have a competition where we used to keep count, but then uh, he lost, he he fell behind years ago. <laughs> 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 but he keeps pestering Stan Lee about like if Superman is Superman and he has sex with Lois Lane like what happens when he you know yeah, yeah, yeah. shouldn't it kill her because yeah that's, that's <laughs> talked about in the first he's act. like your friend's obsessed with, with superheroes having sex <laughs> you should probably see somebody <laughs> remember the chocolate on his hands yeah <laughs> pretending it was pretending it was shit it's a funny movie it's funny it is it funny really is. Ben Affleck is, is one of his earliest roles and he's not good <laughs> he's shot he works at the reasonable man's store yeah yeah it's right? like a that what it's called? a men's yeah. suit store yeah <laughs> Something like that. But his his performance is really bad. And it's just amazing to see that he did Google Hunting just like a year later. A couple years later. Yeah, this is 95, and, I think. Yeah, and how good he was in Goodwill Hunting. I think it's just like might have been his first set and was like first movie set and could have been nervous Maybe. or whatever. Could have been. I'm sure he had some small roles here and there. Well, like they, him, him and he and 
Matt Damon worked in commercials as kids. They're yeah. they're child actors, but they weren't child actors in movies. They were in commercials a lot. But and they were on sets. They were like in as extras and just like yeah. very small roles oh, yeah, here yeah, and there, yeah. sprinkled in the early nineties. Sure. So they were like working, kind of working actors before they really hit it big. But Matt had Matt, Matt was Matt legit. Was, like he was in School Ties. Yeah, you know Matt had it right right and, from the start. And he's he in that test. Denzel movie too. That was in like 95, 96. He, yeah, uh, Courage Under Fire. Yeah, where he plays a drug addict. He also was in a Coppola movie. He played the lawyer in, what's the movie called? It's Coppola, Danny DeVito, and Matt Damon plays the lawyer. The Rainmaker. The Rainmaker. Yes, he did that before. He was still going to college when he made that movie. Well, it came out the same year as Good Will Hunting in 1997. They filmed it. They filmed it a lot earlier. Gotcha. He said, I read an interview, he, he said he filmed that and then he dropped out of school thinking that he was going to be set, but then the movie came out and no one was really talking about it, but then Google Hunting came out and blew up. What? Well, hold on, this because this came out in in November 97. Uh-huh. Oh, and Google Hunting came out December 97. So it's just a month apart. Yeah. That, that might be a little off. I, I believe they filmed Rainmaker much earlier than Google Hunting, I, I believe. Probably, yeah. But I mean, this, isn't that crazy? I mean, you get a Coppola job out of when you're in fucking Harvard when you're in college. Do you know how much Google Hunting made box office? I believe it made a lot. I'm guessing 200 million, 225 million yeah. on a 10 million dollar budget. Yeah, it was a big. Holy, hit. it was a crap. it was a phenomenon when it came out. Yeah. It was a big phenomenon. That was. That's I mean, a it's a great movie. movie. It really it's is. A, it's a great film. All right, you got anything else for the stoner movies? Uh no, I just I love them and I don't really watch them as much as I used to, but they were a uh, standard part of our childhood and uh constant Comedy Central was yeah. big on stoner culture. Yeah, it was a constant kind of film genre that we watched a lot. And, I think that was the yeah. the station, the channel that was always playing oh, yeah, stoner sure. comedy. Yes, yeah, I think Spike TV would play them too. TBS maybe. But yeah, Comedy Central played a ton of them whenever they could, but Man, they, they really are some of the best comedies of all time, for sure. Well, that wraps our episode on stoner comedies. I'm sure Far some out, of these stoners man. probably had a great time listening to this one. Looking at you, Donnie, Dawson, <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> Is Jacob one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, all right. I didn't know he was hitting the devil's lettuce as much as them. <laughs> that was just the, the natty ices for those college kids. Um, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Cody, too. Cody, right. okay. All Everyone. Everyone's a stoner. Cody, Calvin, nah, I'm just kidding. Live, yeah, oh yeah, a lot of people actually hit the the yeah. devil's letters. I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> thanks for tu- <clears throat> Excuse me. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Don't forget to get those live show tickets. The show is in five days. Tickets will be on sale until the show. So thanks for so much to anyone who's already got your ticket. But don't forget, you can watch anywhere around the world on Saturday with just that moment.co slash Raiders of the Lost link. To get tickets. It's going to be a lot of fun, everyone. I think it's going to be a terrific day. Hopefully. Definitely. Take care. See you next time. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast was executive produced by our chosen one patrons. Luke Exelston, Tyler McFly, Darren Singleton, Anthony DeMeo, Becca Keen, Cody Moen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Cam, Sal Koching, Nick Martin, and Chandler Johnson. Thank you so much for supporting our show. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.